Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening to our guests in Mexico and to all of our listeners for Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. I'm your host, Jennifer Shinkai, coming from the Shitamachi downtown Tokyo with the wonderful design thinking guru, business karaoke podcast, the only English and Japanese innovation podcast uh, that's going on in the world right now, links below. Um, this is the amazing Brittany Arthur, who I always want to call Tiffany, and she always tells me off. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Brittany's and Tiffany's, but I will get your name right for this entire interview. That is my goal. That's terrible. It's very low uh, bar for me. Uh, <laughs> no, do you know, I, in my entire schooling, I was called Tiffany. So I, it must have been my, you know, aura. I, you know, it must be there. So yeah, I've had it. Thank you. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. And um, yeah, especially because we have never met. We established this. We have not actually talked in, re in 3D, let's say, because I wrote a blog post last year saying, stop saying this is not real life because this is real life. But we haven't met in 3D. <laughs> I've never seen the back of your head. Uh, this is how I get <laughs> how well I know someone. But last year, I was lucky enough to join one of your presentations at uh, the Australia New Zealand Chamber of Commerce in Japan. You talked about presenting in your non-native mm -hmm. language, which was really helpful for me because I have a lot of inner critic around presenting in Japanese. So I'm astounded because you're English, Japanese, German, and I was reading on your uh, LinkedIn page <laughs> that your Spanish is good enough to order the drinks after a keynote or a workshop, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, <laughs> people do read the fine print on LinkedIn. And last year, you also did a great presentation on design thinking for small business owners for Make March Matter, which is the uh, group which I started on Facebook supporting those business owners. So the group now has over 300 people. Um, and your video comes out from time to time on the uh, on the review. So we have some throwback Thursday. So thank you so much for your generosity and your time and your expertise. But today we are going to talk about innovation design thinking as it applies to the concept of Ikigai. Because when I work with people in coaching and workshops around the Ikigai theme, people can sort of, okay, I have some idea around how I want to, I've discovered it, I have some sense of where it's going. And then when it comes to integration and application, ah, I have to make a change. I have to innovate in my own life or innovate in my relationships or my interactions with people or like my approach. So we're going to get into that idea of the, the tie up between how we can apply design thinking to our own Ikigai journey. But before we get into that, I want to hear about you and your Ikigai and where you are right now, mentally, physically, emotionally. So yeah, what's going on with you, Brittany? Jennifer, thank you so much. I think like uh, many others, I say I'm doing well. 
I'm doing really well, then I'm doing terrible, then I'm doing really terrible, then I'm doing really good again, and then it's lunchtime. Um, so, so all the feels, absolutely all the feels you could imagine. Ikigai uh, is is so uh, much of an interesting concept. And I think the fact that you started a complete podcast around it, I think really is testament just to uh, how special that is. Uh, simply because I think for those of us that have an affiliation with Japan, that we moved away a little bit from this work-life balance, this Western mindset of a work-life balance, i.e. if I have 50% of my time at work and 50% of my time uh, with my family, then that's great. Whereas the Japanese kind of idea of work-life balance is my work relationships and my private relationships are equally good. That's a, there's kind of a little bit of a difference. And for me, being a business owner, I've never really turned off the clock. I never really clock out. And so for me, that idea of having a separate business Brittany to a private Brittany has never really worked for me. It works for many people, but for me, it's never really quite worked. And so for me, the idea of Ikigai being that idea of bringing your whole self uh, to your work has just been really the undertone uh, of my entire career and essentially also how I try to live my life. We also see uh, with the methodology that we implement in our business, design thinking, design thinking requires highly specified, almost what we call extreme users. So it's this idea that we want to talk to people who would line up for ramen for five hours. We don't want to talk to people who wouldn't get in a line. We want to speak to people who would, you know, for example, like Sarah Blakely from Spanx, who spent an exorbitant amount of money on the on the leggings Olivia Newton-John wore in Greece. You know, right. so it's kind of this idea that you want the people that really, you want people to really show up as their whole selves. Um, for me, uh, my icky is really, I guess, defined by, if you think about it, I might make you guys defined as when I leave the room, does that person feel better about themselves or do they feel good about me? Often I do a lot of presenting and obviously as a workshop facilitator, I'm always at the front. And for me, there's a difference between the facilitators who, when people leave the room and they say, you know what, this might be something that I might be able to do with my team. I see this more clearly now. This might be a tool for me. And I'm honestly getting goosebumps thinking about it now. Those people, that's for me success. When people say, oh, gee, Brittany, you know a lot about design thinking. I don't know how it would start, especially in Japan. You know, this kind of mindset. That's for me a complete failure because my Ikigai is defined by the supporting other people to see what they're capable of. So I've mm-hmm. never really been the one like with the best ideas. I've never been the one with the, the perfect thing, but I have been the one that's been able to take the first step. I don't know if it's because I'm the eldest of, of four children. I don't know if it's because <laughs> um, I've, always, I've always been a business owner. I don't know what it is, but I'm always willing to take the first step and make sure that the terrain is safe for others to come. And so that's always going to be my my motto. And that's also when I'm happiest, which is why um, I went from, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 training 120 people a month, you know, just 
in front of people, just constantly, just always on the microphone, always presenting, always keynoting. And then there was the pandemic and then yeah. boom, everything that I defined myself as supporting yeah. people, connecting with people, talking with people, gone. Jennifer, I fell in a heap. I fell in an absolute heap. Or in Australia, as we say, you know, folding a cheap chair, folded like a cheap chair. <laughs> but like all things, you know, when you're a business owner, it gets you down, but then you look around and go, okay, have you cried enough yet? Because the bills are still coming in. Okay. I yes. have. Okay. Great. So <laughs> time to, time to move on. So I went from living, honestly, what I would have defined as that kind of like dream life, living in Tokyo, supporting companies, booked, fully booked people, really excited about innovation, really excited about design thinking and all the bells and whistles. And then that went away. And so that was a real shock. That was a real, real shock because I had to take away or I had to rethink and deconstruct what, what it was that I was missing. What was it? Because I, you can't get up and stand in front of a group of people talking. So yeah. is that what you missed? Was it, was it standing in a microphone? I can buy, I can buy a microphone, you know, <laughs> or what was it? Right. Yeah. Did, I, did I just need to sleep with a microphone? No. The idea was I needed to connect with people and I needed to, to, to share, um, you know, design thinking, which is a creative thinking or it's a, a human centric methodology in order to solve problems. Um, I, I really wanted people to, to know about this and people often said, why did you bother? You know, as you mentioned, I speak German and um, I'm Australian. So I do speak a form of English, but there was something that always said inside me, Europe's not going to change. If you say Australia or the U S or Canada, it's not, or the New Zealand, because I know, because I always think of New Zealand now because of Catherine O'Connell. I don't feel that they, that would change, but I felt if I didn't go to Japan, if I didn't bring this um, global mindset to Japan, but include it, but deliver it in a way that the Japanese recognize that this methodology is not nearly as foreign as that they may have thought. Mm. It's actually much closer to how the companies operated in 1890 versus in 1980. Mm. Right. And so that's, that's a real difference. So if, and if you think about the companies that were found in 19, you know, 1890, they're conglomerates today. That's the real success of Japan. Like, of course, we saw the 80s, Japan as number one. We had like a bubble. But in terms of those real stronghold players, they were from that time. And that's a reason why I, I always, that I had in my heart, I, I have to take this to Japan because that could change. Mm. Uh, I really think this is a tool uh, to use in Japan. So the Ikigai for me is really when people feel good about themselves that they see that they see themselves how I see them and that's for me really the thing that makes me most happy honestly most most happy it's always been true but it's never been more true now Mm. uh, when I've when it's really been really been tested right it massively resonates for me your story because as well I'm a facilitator and when just you know March everything got cancelled I was like what 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 do I do like I can do online and I've worked online for a while but I was I was so defined by that like being in the room oh yeah talked about like the 3d being able to see like (laughs) the backs of people's heads and a lot of the work I do with groups, you know, it's sort of understanding about like the side eye that, you know, tarot gives, uh, you know, 
I can't think of any Ken. Tanaka-san. When, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Suzuki-san gives Tanaka-san when uh, uh, Yamada-san in accounting <laughs> says something and they're like, you know, you can just like, you kind of, you know, kukiyomit, it's like to read yeah. the air and that's very hard to do online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a similar wibble as well. But but your wibble was a bit more extended because then you <laughs> I'm not saying that your wibble was more extended, but you're actually not in Japan right now. That's um, right. Which is almost impossible to tell, I have to say, from your social media presence. I know, but I think you're doing an amazing job, especially on LinkedIn, of like showing your presence business as usual or almost mm-hmm. actually business above usual for you. Cause I know that you're working some crazy, crazy hours to support your, your local clients. So you're halfway across the world. That's right. And with no like kind of short-term availability to come back to Japan due to the immigration situation. We were talking beforehand, what might happen about um, visas Mm. after the Paralympics is finished Mm. and maybe going into the end of the year. So there's so many people whose lives have like put on hold, families still separated, students who can't do things. But you mentioned when we were speaking before recording that like this has actually been a time when you've been able to, you know, consolidate and, mm-hmm. and rethink about your ikigai, rethink about how you're showing up in the world. So could you share a little mm-hmm. bit about that, Brittany? Jennifer, yes. <laughs> how long yes, we got? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, that's right. And for a very long time, I thought, so just for any anyone listening, Japan currently it's uh, it's August 2021. Japan is not processing new visas. And I changed my visa status, my husband and I changed our visa status. So even though we had been in Japan and we have apartment there and a kitchen table and everything like that, um, that's just on hold. We can't get in the country. It just is as it is. So let's not to spend too much time dwelling on that. I personally have spent more than enough for everybody uh, to dwell on that. So let's talk yeah. beyond that. In terms of what that has meant, when we are busy, Jennifer, and I'm sure you know this in your business as well, it is a treadmill. You just keep going and you don't look left and you don't look right. When I, for example, was training, you know, hundreds of people a month and had seminars almost every day. I always thought, gee, I should do a podcast and I would love to share more stories about Japan. I should love to write more, but I don't have the time. So I got stuck in busy work. Mm. I got really stuck in busy work that essentially was was confined to the people in the room because I totally drank the Kool-Aid of design thinking, you have to be there, you need a post-it in your hand, there's something magical about the Sharpie, I'm touching a post-it. <laughs> Jennifer, I can tell you now, it is BS. It is BS. It, there is nothing magical about the marker. There is nothing magical about the Sharpie. There's nothing magical with post-it. This is all stories we tell ourselves um, because we had never needed to operate any differently. And I am almost embarrassed to how much I never even knocked on the door of remote work, Jennifer. Not Mm. even a slight knock, nothing. I was like, this is Japan. Japan is different. We have to do people. And as you said, blah, rubbish, absolute rubbish. It's completely 
it requires us to redesign the experience. I'll give you a great example. I remember, you know, you know, these sessions where you have like a two hour session and then afterwards you go to the four seasons for dinner. And then after that you go, it's, and then you're on the 20, 42nd floor for the workshop. Um, and it's all beautiful in Maranucci and every, and you have nice snacks and everything, <laughs> but you do like 80 minutes of work, right? During that day, for me, remote, um, bringing it kind of like remote has absolutely taken away the bells and whistles of mm -hmm. what it is that we do and what it is I do. And so that's what I had to do. And when everything kind of changed, it was really like a big dip. And that was when the Business Karaoke podcast was born because my husband said, I can't listen to you anymore. <laughs> Come and go and interview someone else. Please, please. Um, yeah, just record this and like make a podcast, but please enough with divergent convergent thinking, like leave me alone, <laughs> so, which is what I then did. I went through quite a few, I would say iterations mm. in how I should approach this. First things first, I thought, how bad could it be? How long are we going to have to wait? So I just... I just kept moving the train. The train yeah. just kept moving without any loss of face, right? I didn't. So, for example, when a client would ask me, oh, Brittany, are you free at 4.30, right, in the afternoon, which is like 2 o'clock in the morning for me. Yes, of course. You know, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to feel bad that mm -hmm. I was not on their time zone. But at the same time, you know, they, they need to keep moving. So I just adjusted. Um, so then I kind of had this, let's just pretend like, it's not happening, right? Oh, not let's not pretend. I knew it was happening, but I didn't want it to kind of like come out. Right. Then where you, when just three months turn into six months, your group is called Let's Make March Matter. <laughs> We're on season two now. <laughs> season two. Season two, episode six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like it just kept rolling. Time just kept rolling. Not like a few weeks. It was like three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. Now we're like 15 months, 18 months. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and then I People thought like had babies and are pregnant again. Oh, you haven't known. You haven't known. Yeah. And I, you haven't <laughs> even known. I didn't even yeah. know you're pregnant. Cause you can't, you're only seeing like the yeah, shoulders up. Right? Yeah. yeah. I had a client um, go on maternity leave. I was like, you're pregnant. You didn't even know you're pregnant. You didn't know. Know you're pregnant. Why would I? Yeah. How, how could you, this is not my, I'm not pregnant. Anyone who's listening. It's not like my, yeah, no, my, announcement my surprise. Context of time. Yes. And then I started, and then a few people I would connect with. And I said, I'm actually, you know, we're currently in Mexico. We're unable to get back to Japan, blah, blah, blah. And they would say, and you're still moving. You're still making everything happen. And I said, well, well, yes. And then I started having these conversations with people and they were saying, wow, like, you're making the most of kind of this situation yeah. in really less than that, less than ideal circumstances. Not like you're in your apartment in Tokyo and kind of things are just rolling. It's really harder. And that actually kind of made me reflect that when it's anyone can run a good business when it's easy mm. and when it's, you know, before COVID and there's high demand and we don't have any of the issues and blah, blah, blah. Anyone can run a business like that. But if you're running a business now, it takes and I'm Jennifer, I'm sure you're the same. It takes every ounce of who I am mm. as not just as a facilitator, not just as, as a business person, it takes every ounce of who I am as a person to, to run our business now, not in a bad way, not in like a victim mentality, but as in this is unique circumstances and we need to approach the issues and problems that we have 
with with mindsets that we might never have had to have needed before like i've never you know needed to know anything about lighting or electronics or whatever but now all of a sudden you know we have a podcast okay i've learned a little bit about the editing i would have never known that you yeah. know so things like that and i have to say that when when we're in our busy work we're not our best person we're really not our best person and i wasn't my best person not only for myself but also not to my clients and i found mm. coming off that busy time reflecting on my ikigai and even my my husband mentioned when i was in my busy stage i would complain oh you know japan this oh japan that oh something whatever why do they have to do this with hanko and why do we need 25 meetings and things whatever and now i take any time that a client wants to talk or wants to connect i see it as gift mm -hmm. so i went from this mentality this, this busy mindset to hang on a second you've been out of japan now for almost 18 months but business is as usual the train is still moving you've had a lot of time a lot of days to think is it worth it getting up at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> is it what really what you want to do and every day jennifer the answer is more yes it's more mm. yes than it was yesterday. And I will never be happy that things were as they were. Yeah. Like being out of Japan for 18 months and all these other crazy things that was happening. Because, you know, being in a country, you know, me being kind of fancying myself slightly as a linguist speaking Japanese, German, and English, I've always been able to get around, right? And I'm stuck in a country I can, that, I, that my level is, as you said, I can order t t tacos after the keynote or the workshop. That's kind of my level. So being, being in a country like that, where I was like, I don't feel connected. And, you know, yeah. we were only supposed to be here for a short time. It was really, really challenging. Uh, but it did, it is a lens of, is this what you want to do? You have, yeah. when it comes to Ikigai, you have two options. One, you can like, you know, sleep eight hours straight, or uh, you get to do your life's work. The, the work that Honestly, sometimes I can get emotional. I can really almost cry when I'm really like, when people are really sharing their issues with me and we really work through something and they leave and they say, you know, imagine somebody who has been so kind of like overwhelmed with stress in their job and they haven't known how to manage a particular issue and they've learned a skill set. They've learned step-by-step step, like a recipe about how they might be able to have this, this really difficult conversation with their boss. This person might be able to have a, a better relationship with their boss after having this conversation. This person then goes home a little bit happier. This person then has a little bit more you're you like a little more space in the mind yeah like a little more space in their mind to listen to their their spouse or their kids rather yeah. than just being consumed with this stress yes and when people tell me things like that like i've been able to navigate these issues in my job or these particular conversations with confidence because i have my map my you know my my map um that's when i go oh wow you can make a difference in somebody's life you know and so for me, having this time outside and stripping back mm. the 42nd floor in Maranochi, stripping back the going to dinner at the Four Seasons and all that <laughs> has made, that's, left the bareness. And I'm like, yeah. this is it. And that's the thing, like all of those perks, like they are lovely. Love dinner me, at Four Seasons. Yeah, of yeah. course. Right. And there's amazing views and I'm in this really exciting city. But in those moments as a facilitator, I don't feel ikigai. 
I don't feel mm-hmm. icky, icky. Right. I don't feel a sense of flow. Like I'm enjoying myself and having a good time, but it's not that moment where I feel, I, I tend not to feel self-actualization when I'm having a nice dinner. Maybe I can enjoy yeah. the moment and all of those things, but something about that, I'm doing something which is unique to me That's that right. I can bring, that I can support, whatever it, it, it happens mm-hmm. in the interaction when mm-hmm. that that magic moment is happening, like in the room, virtual or otherwise. Yeah. That's right. Wonderful. It's just amazing to see what you have done in the challenging situation and how it's actually given you that focus. Yeah, stripped away um, all of those those different parts and, and been able to confirm what you knew. And that's sort of simplifying and focusing, starting like, kind of back to the start small idea it's gone back to the core of right. uh yeah what what you bring uh to to your clients and to yourself right i mean the ikigai i think it's very much what you described about for that individual who goes home feeling a little bit happier they have this mm-hmm. space in their mind so they're able to interact with other people in other ways you know beginning with ourselves is a really important part of the the, the, the agent in the middle of the ikigai is, is that I'm about to go off and talk about a model, which I don't want to get into on this podcast today, because I want to get into some models of application of design thinking. So as I mentioned at the opening, many clients, when they're, whether in the ikigai workshop or we're following up through mm-hmm. coaching, they have an idea of the types of things they want to bring into their life. They want to do more of, they want to do less of. But this process of change, of course, is challenging. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that some of the ideas of design thinking would would go really well with making some life changes around the the ideas of Ikigai as well. So if you could share some processes, some approaches from design thinking, if people are wanting to make some lifestyle and life approach changes. The floor is yours, Brittany. I'm sure you have many. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is a really great uh, a great question, and the reason why design thinking and ikigai are collaborators or their partners uh, is is because ikigai, like this, or design thinking like ikigai, begins with the human. It begins with the person uh, in that we're talking about, and the more specific, the better. So, for example, if I were to say to you, let's let's redesign the ATM experience, right? Then, if, but we haven't set a user. Let's redesign the ATM experience. Maybe you can start thinking of some ideas. And those are listening along, start thinking of some ideas. But if I were to say to you, let's redesign the ATM experience for a blind person, all of a sudden your brain starts moving again. Mm. So this is what we want to do here and what we kind of want to take away from design thinking first and foremost um, into Ikigai is the, the you, that what your ikigai is, what your problem is, what your issue is, what your pain is, what design thinking defines as your pain, maybe it's not a pain for somebody else, but it's a pain for you. And guess what? That's okay. That's enough. And that's valid. Mm. So it's that, that first, that first thing uh, that we begin with the human in mind and get really, really specific. An example, uh, let's take, let's, let's use the example of someone trying to find their ikigai right? Let's, let's use, let's kind of use that as our base model that we can work with. Often when you hear design thinking, it's 
you know, cool products or prototypes or whatever. Uh, but the real power of design thinking is actually not in ideation. It's actually not in the solution space. It's in the problem space. When we're speaking about design thinking, I want you to have in mind two spaces. The first space is the problem space. And the second space is the solution space. And the problem space means that we spend time committed only to the problem. And this is actually really uh, special because often when we think of creativity, it's we have to think of the solution. That's where all of our creativity is. And we totally reject or we totally ignore the problem, but the problem deserves our creativity just as much as the solution does. Mm -hmm. So what I would do when it comes to problem solving, we do, we, or in the two spaces of design thinking, we use a, we use a, th a thought process called convergent and divergent thinking. So divergent thinking is when imagine that you're opening up. So it's kind of like that diamond opening up possibilities are endless. And then the convergent thinking is when we come together and we decide from those from that data or from, from those ideas. The reason this is really important is because design thinking and like you and your ikigai, it requires us for, to move for, forward. It requires speed. And we really need to make sure that we're having the same conversation at the same time. So for example, if I were to say, you know, let's say, let's we're staying on the ikigai example. Let's imagine that we're thinking, what's my ikigai? Well, maybe music. And then there's another voice in my head that says, Psst, forget music, you can barely sing in the shower. And then I go, okay, what about cooking? No, you can't cook. You know, and then so you're having this kind of divergent thinking of potentials, things that might bring you joy. And then at the same time, you're having this convergent mindset of no, 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 no. The first, the one of the real kind of like quick wins from design thinking that I think people can take away is split these two conversations. Give yourself the space, give yourself the the chance to first explore mm. before you go and start saying what's right and what's wrong. So what I would do is if I was exploring what my ikigai is and I didn't know what it was, is I would do the first thing that we do in design thinking, which is we want to understand the problem. We want to understand who the re we want to send the user and you're the user. So it's perfect. You don't have to spend any money on user research. All you <laughs> need to do is sit down with a pen and paper. And I want you to get as specific as humanly possible as what, when you are happy and when you are not happy or when mm. you feel geeky and when you're not. And I want it to be like, you know, I'm in a group of 10 people or I'm in a group of two, not I'm in a group, like how, how mm. big is the group or is it a hundred? And or then like what your role is in that group. What, where are you? Are you in the front? Are you in the back? Are you in the middle? Are you sitting yeah. next to someone? Like I mm. want you to really almost take a picture. Are you on a stage? Who's around you? Are you in Japan? Are you not? Are you in a global audience? I want you to get as specific as possible and write this all down. That's what we call data. And the best thing that we can do when it comes to, em to emotional decisions is gather data because right. emotions change. As we mentioned in the, the podcast, I said, I'm doing good, then bad, then really bad, then really good. And then it's lunchtime, you know? So if I were to make decisions based on my emotions, um, you'd get a different answer from me every day. However, if I were to look at my own personal data, which is to sit down and write in as much human detail as possible. I, like even are you in 
like, are you in a conference room with, with carpet? No, I hate carpet. So I won't be in America. You know what I mean? I hate, you know, those horrible conference rooms. In America. <laughs> um, like, or, or are you like floorboards? Like, where are you? Like get as specific as possible. Like what food are you eating? And then from this data, what I want you to do is rather than looking at these as separate data points, you'll start seeing some patterns. You'll start seeing that there's some, this is telling you something. Maybe it's telling you, you like healthy eating. Maybe it's telling you, you like being around small ish groups. Maybe it tells mm -hmm. you that you like, uh, that you don't like starting from zero. Maybe you like working on an existing idea. Maybe it tells you, you hate working on an existing idea and you like to plant the seed, right? So have a look at this data and try to see what are the commonalities in the, in the times that you're happy and also test that with, or, or you can even do it the opposite. Look at the times when you're unhappy and test that with the data of, well, why am I happy? Why am I unhappy in front of a spreadsheet, mm. but I'm happy with people? Is it the numbers or am I missing community? Right. That's a huge insight. Am I, maybe you're analytical, but you like people. Maybe it's not that you want to go be a marketer. Maybe you want to work with spreadsheets, but you just want to work in a team. Right. And so if you don't understand what your personal data is telling you, we won't then be able to make good solutions. So spend a good amount of time diverging in what makes you happy, diverging in what makes you unhappy. And in this time, I don't want you to filter yourself. Right. Uh, maybe this isn't important. Maybe this idea of, you know, that I have a headset or maybe this idea that I'm, that we have a, a set lunch or isn't important. No, write it down. And then it's after that, that's when we kind of decide what's important, what's not. And then you can kind of draw your own conclusions. Once we've gathered those insights, you have then power in your hands. Cause instead of saying, what's my key guys, maybe let's meet, maybe try bike riding. Well, what data do you have about what makes you happy suggests that bike riding is a good idea. Mm. So often what we do, we jump to the solutions. This is why it's so important to invest in the problem space. So once we've invested in the problem space, in understanding who we are, that's only, only then can we get into the idea of what's my EI, right? So once we have the data, maybe it says I'm analytical. I like working in small teams. Well, don't apply to a global company. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> first thing, you know, like yeah. I like... Uh, I'm analytical. I don't, I don't like working in big teams. I like using this, blah, 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 blah. And you have all these things. And then it'll give you an idea. And then if someone says, would you like a global marketing job at like Nike? You're like, no, thank you. Because it doesn't fit your filters, right? And so I would say for people that are trying to think, how can I use design thinking in my life would be first and foremost, set a user, the person that's you. Mm. So we want to get the second thing, get into the problem space and we want to get as specific as possible in the problem space. And then once you've defined your insights from the problem space, what makes you happy? What doesn't make you happy? And the perfect thing is in the problem space is you don't have to worry about, well, what are you going to do then? You don't have to worry right. about that yet. You just need it as your data. And then in this, in the solution space, you can have a look at the data that you gathered in the problem space. And that's when you can say, okay, what opportunities exist for someone like me who likes likes cooking likes working with uh, latin america and likes to do this and like blah 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 and has all these different kinds of things then you can start 
assume then you can start suggesting or you can at least get an idea of what your next steps are so design thinking uh, for your own ikigai is actually quite quite applicable and the probably the last thing from uh, from design thinking that i would uh, suggest people remember is the idea of iteration and what does that mean it means that once you define what you want to do as a solution maybe it's you want to try this particular job or you want to try something else give yourself the opportunity that if in six months or a year that it doesn't fit it's okay to go back to the drawing board and start again right i muted myself for a moment there because people are iterating on a building outside my house so uh, yeah i think that idea of giving enough space for the divergent thinking not editing not filtering is really important and i know there are many times in uh, workshops and coaching sessions that people don't want to put it down because they're also afraid that if I write it on a post-it note, virtual or otherwise, I have to take action on it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important that it's just, we're just getting every idea, every possibility out there into the space as a data point. Mm -hmm. And if we see that this data point kind of keeps emerging or you're pulled back to it, then yes, maybe you should take action on it. But sometimes that data point can just bring up and like the breakthrough data point as well can kind of come because you've allowed that space. So once people are in this convergent mindset and they've sort of set a direction, Mm -hmm. this idea of iteration, I think, is 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 really important. And so how might somebody go about, you know, creating this prototype for their life? Do you have any tips on how people can make it feel yeah, experimental and prototype and manageable rather than sometimes it feels this big, you know, yeah, I have to, I have to leave my company or I have to like, um, uh, the, we have a guest coming up who's going to talk about like leaving a marriage, you know, these different things. If often when we're going to take on something new or like raise the volume Mm -hmm. or the frequency of something, we have to create space, right? So I think there's a, I'm kind of asking a different question now. So let me go to the first one, which is about like bringing in. So prototyping, do you have any tips from design thinking about, I'm feeling like I want to bring more art into my life. This is me. Um, Like how I can go about that. That's, yeah, that's a great point. And I think the idea of of prototyping is so important and it relates to that point of what you were saying, that if I write it down, I I might have to take action on it. And the idea of, of prototyping, I would think of two things. The first thing I would think about is create a model that works for you. If you're a visual person, maybe you want to create a vision board. Uh, if you're an analytical person, maybe you want to write like a schedule. Maybe you want to go to Excel and create like a schedule for this new thing or create percentages or something like that. So think about who you are as a person and then find a way that you can prototype within that. So visual Mm. people, things like drawing, writing, creating a vision board, using pictures, things like that. If you're audio person, just take your phone and just speak it out. Just speak it out and then just have it as a recording on on your phone and then just check in with yourself and see if you know how relevant it still is or if you need to update it. So the first things first is find a, a when we say prototype, we often think of like it has to be physical and in a way that's that's true. The only thing that what I would replace the word physical with is it has to be clear to you, right? And sometimes that's, it can be like an audio file or it can be a picture. Work with what works for you. Mm. Second thing is uh, prototype means it's 
not done, means it's not perfect, means that we're getting feedback. And the, the real the real reason that we have prototypes is to get feedback. And often, you know, we don't exist as islands. Maybe you need to get feedback from your spouse on this decision. Maybe you need to get feedback from your kids. Maybe you need to get feedback from your friends or your family or your boss or whoever. Mm. And and use your prototype as as a you either for yourself. We can even use it as a communication tool to communicate to your spouse. Hey, I'm re- I'm really thinking about taking this particular thing that I've been doing um, seriously. And this is kind of my, this is what I have in mind. And you're, and through showing them this prototype, that whether it's a picture or whether it's a schedule, it can be anything. They're seeing, oh, this, this person's serious, you know, Brittany and Jennifer are serious about, you know, what they're doing. They haven't, it's not just an idea. And so you're getting feedback. When you get feedback from people, you, you also get automatically their buy-in because they're suggesting to you kind of what to do. Um, another thing to keep in mind with prototypes is that you want to have a good timeline, uh, which means it's not like I'm moving and that's it, you know, like I'm moving this job and I'm going to die here. That's not really what we're going for either. Give yourself uh, a specific uh, time. The reason we want to do this is because keeping time uh, gives us also kind of our own personal KPIs. Imagine, so Jennifer, you're a runner. Imagine if you said, I'm going to go running this morning. I'm going to stop and I'll just stop when I'm tired, right? Versus. It wouldn't be a very long run. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or it could be like this ridiculous two hour run. And then, you know, you've, you're not left with anything versus I'm going to go for a solid 30 minutes Mm. at 29 minutes and 59. And you put your foot on the front doorstep exactly as it clicks over to 30. How do you feel? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Because you've achieved your time. Right. And this is the thing. Whereas if, if we say, oh, let's just run until I'm tired, we could run for three hours. And when we come back. We might have that, you know, we're the kind of personalities where you're like, I probably could have run five more minutes, you know, you, and you, it's, you know, you don't know. So when it comes to prototyping, find a visual platform that works, find a platform that works. You could be visual, analytical, whatever, get feedback on it from whoever's important, whoever is an important stakeholder. And if you're the important stakeholder, that's fine too. Uh, and the third thing is set yourself uh, a reasonable time frame. To, to get feedback on this. So for example, if you and your partner, Jennifer and I were talking about this before, if you and your partner, for example, wanted to start tennis, it's not, I'm signing us up for 10 years of tennis and like, that's it. You know, like I've paid 10 years membership fee, that's it. You know, and then you're like surprised why your spouse doesn't want to spend $10,000 on like a tennis membership. You know, they have never even picked up a racket. Yeah. What I would do is just take kind of like maybe three months and say, let's try tennis for three months. And then, then we can see if we want to go ahead and then, you know, do the whole like tennis membership thing or not. So giving that yourself that opportunity to prototype and test helps you actually make decisions and move forward because it enables you to, it gives you the option to change uh, Mm. if you need to, or when situations change. Are there any uh, sort of at the end of that time period, like good reflection questions or things that you can do that can help you to iterate to the next level of the prototype? Yeah, of course. Well, one one of those things is go back to your problem statement. Did any of those, so what we want to do, so this is kind of where you close the gap again. So you've, you know, you've, now you've got, you're essentially the end of, of the double diamond. You're in the solution space and you've gathered data. Go back and think, did this answer my questions. Did this solve my problems? And if the answer is yes, well, great. If the answer is some parts, but not others, well, that's great too. It means you've got data, but you've also got an opportunity uh, to to iterate and and, uh, try again on those remaining points. 
Yeah, and if it's not at all uh, as well, that's great oh, too, right? So it's just scrap all, it, yeah. it's all data. Exactly. Yeah, you know now. Exactly. You thought it was exactly. tennis. Exactly. It was actually squash, possibly. So let's try squash, right? Or maybe not a racket <laughs> sport. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Exactly. Who knows, right? <laughs> maybe the last thing you want to do is ever pick up a racket ever again. Exactly, exactly. So we're near to the end of our time together, Brittany. So is there any final messages you would like to send to the listeners and viewers or questions I should have asked you? Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely none. The The only thing that I would like to just highlight is these huge decisions in our lives are huge for a reason, you know, are huge for a reason. Um, and I would encourage you to find a way to move forward through your own questions. And often if it's your own Ikigai, we're often reading books and we're, we're doing, we're doing input, right? We're inputting, inputting, inputting. But if it's you, we're talking about you, your happiness, your joy. Mm. If you're listening to this podcast, probably you've had enough experience in your life. You're probably not five years old and you don't know, you know, what's kind of your passion. You've probably had experiences where you've experienced high highs, but you've probably also had experiences that you, that have, you've experienced very low lows. And I would encourage you to use these as data to understand more about you. Mm. What makes you happy? So, for example, in my case, it wasn't presenting to like rooms of people. I still enjoy it. But actually the seed of that was connecting with people on, on a deeper level. And I've been able to do that much more now online than I have ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. So in, give yourself, as Jennifer mentioned, Give yourself the space to explore the problem, um, and you can you can replace problem for challenge or issue. It doesn't problem doesn't mean like it's a bad thing. Um, it just means the thing that you want to solve for. Give yourself that space uh, and get curious about yourself. Get curious. Don't worry about reading another book or you know this is a time if we're talking about you, you've got your answers. This is probably a time that you don't need input. This is probably a time that you need output. I don't know about you, but I've never thought my way out of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever worked my way out of it or talked my way out of it. Or, you know, like I've worked with right. people. Right. There needs thing. to be an output rather than just this constant loop in the and exactly, and we're mind. often, yeah, and we're often looking at input, input, exactly. we're input, input, input. But I would say it's probably not time for input. Now's probably time for output. And, but don't feel like that you should magically know what your ikigai is. You should magically appear, you know, in your dreams or something. It's the same reason I use GPS all the time. I, people don't, you know, I don't, feel bad or less of a person that I don't know how to get there, but I get there. And that's the same thing with finding your, your Ikigai. Use a map, you know, whether that might be design thinking, maybe you might want to try this approach out for you. Use a map to get to where you want to go. Don't guess. It's like arriving to a new city without a map and, you know, you're supposed to get to the, the main landmark. Maybe, maybe you'd get there if you ask enough people, or you could just take a map and get there yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So use the resources that you have. You don't need Which to. Which is you. Yeah. 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 All the answers are there. And that, that very much um, aligns with uh, the work of other writers and Ikigai experts talk a lot that there won't necessarily be this, uh, you know, blinding light sort mm -hmm. of uh, 
thunder, thunderbolt moment. Um, and it's actually a lot about iteration and right. sort of the beliefs that you have. And, and I love what you've shared today. I think it's a really important takeaway for everyone to yeah get curious with yourself to ask those questions, get all those different data points. And I want to add to that, though, be honest. Oh, yeah. Be honest when you answer those (laughs) questions, Um, because many of the people who I meet with, there's some, you know, deep seated things which they know they would like to have more of and they know are answering those questions but for whatever reason I'm too young I'm too old I'm too male I'm too female I'm too this I'm too that whatever they feel that they can't express it into the world so it's Mm -hmm. very important that those data points as well are truly honest and you know when you do like um, market research right Um, people say like oh yeah this is how I feel about this product and then that doesn't match with consumer behavior no, right, in the, like, yeah. the interviewing. So user, be honest as a user as to what does really make you happy, not what you think is going to make someone else happy because this is, this is your life. And uh, yeah. we only have one. That's it. As far as I know from when I first checked. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I'm watching the Marvel uh, movies at the moment. So my whole, maybe I have another multiverse I could go into. I have many lives. That sounds good. Yeah. Sign me up. Thank you. So it was great to connect. Um, I hope people took away as well, not only the design thinking ideas, but also how to thrive where you're planted um, and to work out those, um, work out those boundaries, work out the things and to, to strip away to the, the essential core, I think is another mm-hmm. great takeaway. And um, if anybody wants to listen to the Business Karaoke podcast, you'll find all the links for that in the show notes. And as well, you can connect with Brittany on all her different socials, which will be down below. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I'm doing that. Um, which no one can see if they're listening on the podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your time in Mexico. And we can't wait to have you back in Japan at some point. I'll be on the first slide out. You can <laughs> you can best believe that. I am Thank sure, you, Jennifer. Sure. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. The work that you're doing, the and I just wanted to just take a, a, a moment as well, just to acknowledge and spotlight you and your work. You've given hope and community to so many people. Um, and if you think, or if I kind of reflect on real moments that matter, from you know the last the kind of the coronavirus pandemic for me the way that you kind of rose from the ashes as well like all facilitators got everything cancelled on you know rose from rose from the ashes and even in your own uncertainty that you were able to give community and hope to, to people is really such a testament of, of who, who you are and this podcast is just another extension of that and it's just such a pleasure uh, to to know you even if it's just the front of your head not the back <laughs> I see that. See my roots. See all the roots. Oh my god! Next, quit. Next, 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 next topic. It was wonderful. Thank you very much for that. That really means a lot to hear that. I super appreciate it. So thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you everyone for listening to the end, and we will see you again on Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. 
So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.